and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my friend and founder of Crescent Leadership, Dr. Jez DeShields. For the past 25 years, Dr. DeShields has studied, evaluated, and applied models of leadership, organizational behavior, and systems change across multiple sectors. From Fortune 250 and privately owned companies to national nonprofits to entire communities, Jez's work ranges from preparing leaders to successfully run their organizations to improving the trajectory of organizations in crisis and those poised for growth. Jess founded Crescent Leadership, a business consulting and leader coaching firm based on leader-first strategies, her distinct methodology for organizational change. Leader-first strategies challenge leaders and teams of leaders first to examine how their behavior reinforces conditions for enduring growth and vitality or stagnation and decline. In 2023, Jez published nine leader touchstones. And for those watching on the the video, this is a a copy of it. Yay, love it. (laughs) It's beautiful, beautiful cover. Nine leader touchstones takes readers on the journey to becoming leader first leaders by cultivating essential leadership behaviors, curiosity, emotional intelligence, courage, integrity, authenticity, empathy, inclusivity, gratitude, and resilience. Known as a passionate and engaging storyteller, Jez speaks and writes regularly about the leader touchstones and leader-first leadership. She's delivered dynamic presentations and workshops to diverse audiences, ranging from multinational corporations to educational institutions. Jez is a guest lecturer at the Brooks School of Public Policy and is an instructor in eCornell's executive leadership programs. So, after that amazing bio, without further ado, let's meet Dr. Jez DeShields. Welcome to the show, Jez. Thank you so, so very much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's a, it's a huge honor to have you. Um, and I, I I love the book. I'm sure we'll talk about it um, a bit more as the interview goes by. Um, but I'd re- recommend anyone gets uh, Nine nine Leader Touchstones, um, your book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, I, I know, cause I've seen a, a, a larger version of your bio that there's, there's a lot more to you than, than even that. I mean, that's, that's a, a, a huge starting point, but there's, there's a lot, a lot more, uh, like with the, the Girl Scouts of the USA and things like that. So there's, um, lots of, lots of other bits and bobs that you could bring in, perhaps in, in your own words, you could tell the audience a bit more about yourself and including what your current work roles are and, and the leadership positions you currently hold, please. Sure. So you did share quite a bit of my bio, but uh, before I started Crescent Leadership, uh, gosh, it's been about three years ago. I think you and I talked for the first time, mm-hmm. right as I was really starting this new journey. And uh, I made the decision to leave a very comfortable position 
leading a, a, a leadership consulting team for one of the world's largest, most well-known nonprofit brands, the Girl Scout movement. And my team, we were responsible for doing or what we tried to accomplish was supporting leaders, CEOs of the 112 Girl Scout councils across the country, as well as their C-suites and their boards of directors. So we worked with them on things like governance and leadership transition, uh, supporting them to, to prepare or preparing them to run their nonprofit organizations. And uh, love that job. I, I love the Girl Scout movement. And I'm a Girl Scout. I'm a former Girl Scout and alum. And uh, um, I'm currently a troop leader for my daughter's troop. So clearly, I, I, I drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. So <laughs> a lot of times people ask me, why did you leave? Why did you leave this dream job? And, you know, what I what I realized was that I was not having the level of impact that I thought I could have. Uh, I thought that we could do more in the space of leadership beyond just the Girl Scout movement, that I could do more for those councils, but also for other nonprofits, for other types of organizations, mm -hmm. uh, if I had the chance to just really rip this concept of leadership open, look at it from a different perspective. So. I left my very comfortable job in the middle of a pandemic and uh, decided to start this business. So we've been going now for about three years and uh, really having a great time working with companies all over the country. Uh, and we really had the chance to um, to make some real change, uh, which has been really a, an exciting thing for me and our team. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, and you say it's been... Um three years since you started on this the latest part of your journey um and it sounds like you've achieved so much already you've already you're already working with some really big big companies so uh you know um that's really impressive i mean essentially you're, you're still a startup really aren't you in, in a way in some ways but uh we definitely are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but are you doing really really tremendous and impactful work so um that's great. I'm I'm really pleased that it's kind of taken off. And, you know, having having read your book, um, I could see that, you know, all of the the lead leadership traits that you really uh that you really value and honor um are very, very much in alignment with um with my own. So uh I'm I'm so I'm so pleased that they have taken you on this journey of of success so far. So so um yeah, so I mean, I, I know from the book that um, your leadership style has been sort of forged by your uh, life and um, personal leadership experiences. Um, so do you want to start by telling us a little bit about your journey to leadership and then how that underpins your personal leadership style, please? Absolutely. So, you know, my journey, like every leader's journey, has been shaped by experiences going back as far as my childhood. I grew up in poverty. I was surrounded by all forms of addiction. Uh, but throughout the early part of my life, I watched my young, uneducated mother persist with grit. I mean, just mm -hmm. with sheer will. I mean, she was a force. And on her deathbed, which was, you know, when I was probably in my early 30s, um, she kept apologizing for the pain uh, that she'd caused us as we grew up. But it was in one of those last conversations with my mom that I had the chance to really change the narrative of our history. Uh, I finally found the words to tell her what she meant to me. Uh, I had the chance to tell her that I got my grit from her, 
you know, mm. that I learned how to work hard and persist through struggle because of her example. And mm. I told her that she was the one that taught me to always look to myself first before blaming others to fix my situation or asking someone else to fix it. So there were some other lessons, you know, weaved into those conversations. You know, mm. even though we must first look to ourselves, I also learned that we can't do hard things alone. And my mom told me that she learned this too late in life. And she wanted me to avoid those same mistakes. She taught me that we need to connect and engage with people to ask for help when we need it, right? Mm -hmm. To extend trust, even when it's scary and when it requires us to tap into vulnerability uh, or when it pushes us to take risks that nudge us into our comfort or outside of our comfort zones. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes those very uncomfortable spaces are where the most significant growth happens in our yeah. lives. And so it was really those experiences from my adolescence, the good and the bad, that planted the seeds of my leadership philosophy. The experiences then working with nonprofits, with for-profit organizations, that just continued to cultivate that philosophy. But it was my mom's simple yet poignant message, look first to self, that became the maxim of my life and, and it really led me to where I am. It's the reason there is a book called Nine Liter Touchstones, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I really owe that to her. Uh, and that's the foundation of my leadership philosophy is that we must first look to self, right? Mm -hmm. Work on ourselves as leaders, work on the things that matter, and then open up a space for our people to tap into who they are, you know, who they are authentically as well. And, and that has really driven uh, so much of what I've done in leadership and what I coach leaders to do today. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm somewhat kind of blown away and mesmerized by your, by your story. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I love, I love the way you speak about your, your mum and uh, what an inspiration she was to you and uh, what an influence she was. And um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm really, yeah, really touched by, by all of that. Um, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Jess, thank you. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, obviously when you, you are, um, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, you, you walk the talk and what you, what you have written in your book is, is the way that you are, um, you know, the way that you teach people is the way that, that you lead, um, and you know you do so you do so by by example as well um but is 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 there i mean we all know kind of like you know the textbook kind of leadership styles and and so on um and i don't like to pigeonhole people into any of those um so it what's what how would you describe it it's sort of in a in a sentence or in a nutshell your if you can <laughs> your your own leadership style and and you know, like a lot of my guests, it probably varies at, at, at times as well. What what do you sort of think about that? As far as my leadership style? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think going back to that, again, that underpinning of our model, which is leaders look first to self. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we have to. Uh, I think we've lost it a little bit, honestly. Mm. And that's part of what drove me to go in this different direction to mm. try to push to do more in the space of leadership is that I think we have 
moved so far away from the accountability of the leader mm-hmm. in organizations. And we've done this because we're trying to put people first, okay. right? This concept of people first, which is so beautiful and brilliant. And yet what has happened is we've taken the accountability or the focus off the leader and the behavioral right. influence that leaders yeah. have inside of organizations. We've forgotten the science of behavioral influence, right? And and that science tells us that like it or not, good or bad, the way a leader shows up will influence how their organization gets shaped. And mm-hmm. so again, when I talk about my leadership philosophy, the, the foundational element is look first to self, right? Yeah. When we yeah. look first to self, we work on ourselves first as leaders. Uh, whether it be those, again, those nine touchstones, those are the behaviors that really cultivate the type of culture inside of organizations right now mm. that people want to see, that they want to be a part of in the yeah. current state, right? In the current state mm. of work. And so if we're cultivating these touchstones in ourselves and then, ex- you know, opening up a space to cultivate those in the people that we lead, mm. wrote mm. them through those same touchstones then, then we build that organization, that enduring dynamic organization uh, that that will transcend, right? Yeah. The, the challenges of our times. And yeah. so uh, that really is the the underpinning. Okay, okay. Um, that's really interesting. So, so essentially with the, um, you kind of pay personal attention to the touch and you give them... Um, a lot you know a huge amount of importance so again just to just refresh for the for the listeners curiosity emotional intelligence courage integrity authenticity empathy inclusivity gratitude and resilience and so you kind of you know focus on those within yourself and and embody those um to improve your self-leadership if am, am i right and then by example your you know, much like how your mom kind of was a, you know, a, a model for you. Is is that is that right? It is a model, but even within uh, those touchstones, there mm. are actions, right? So yeah, if I am if I am cultivating uh, the touchstone of empathy, mm-hmm. right, I am learning how to uh, understand someone's. Uh, situation, their life situation. I'm yeah. understanding them as a person, as a full person. Yeah. And in that space, I'm creating a safe space for them to uh, to to show up who they are, right? To mm, show up yeah. in their own authenticity. If I if I cultivate empathy, it is also an action, right? Mm-hmm. That allows mm-hmm. for people to thrive inside of organizations. So. Yeah cultivation of a touchstone often is an action inside the organization as well that uh, allows for people, their people that, that work for the organization to thrive. Mm, mm. And so it's a combination of both. It is leading by example, but the touchstones in themselves are actions, right? Leading with integrity creates a space for people to learn what, you know, uh, with good leadership, the right style of leadership looks like. But it also guides them in how they act as well. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see, and I like the, um, I like the way you describe that. You know, we've, it, it, what you were saying about um, the focus 
having moved from the the leader and it being about the leader quite quite rightly you know leader centered leadership um is a you know a, a sort of outmoded paradigm it's moved obviously more towards their their people their team their colleagues so kind of you know team team centric or whatever leadership um it, and but but in that process the the pendulum has sort of swung too far in that direction and it stayed yes. in that direction <laughs> and there's now no kind of attention to self leadership which is just so important right. um yeah, that, that very much re- reminded me of, um, in fact, a conversation I was having uh, yesterday um, with a with another guest about um, the the medical model, you know, and it, it used to be very, you know, the, the doctor-patient relationship used to be very doctor-centered, you know, and it was very kind of, you know, paternalistic and, you know, whatever the doctor said, that's what goes, yeah? You do what the doctor says and, you know, you'll be fine. You know, very patronizing and paternalistic. Um and then it swung over to it being a patient-centered dynamic. Um, but you know, now doctors feel there's too is you know, it's gone too far in that direction. And there's too much kind of power with the the patient, such that the doctor's almost seen as, you know, just a very low-level service provider who's just like, yeah, um, I'm I'm just here because I want a prescription for such and such, and you just you just do it for me because you are my servant, sort of thing. Um yeah so uh yeah that's that's uh well really interesting thank you thank you for explaining that um and uh yeah that's that's, uh, that's really clear now um okay so um uh, were there any any people um on your journey senior to you um female or male that kind of have helped you helped you rise helped you up on your way you know, there are so many leaders that I've learned for learned from as I've gone through my career, um, both in through education, but then also in the workplace as well. Uh, you may recall in the book that I distinguish uh, the concept of leadership to those who are attempting to lead well versus uh, what we call bottom line executives, you know, really focused on the bottom line at all costs. So we, we yeah. kind of distinguish that so we can restore the distinctive nature of leadership. That's kind of our goal uh, at Crescent Leadership. Um, but so I've learned from the guidance of both great leaders and then also the examples of some bottom line executives, right? What yeah. not to do, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but there is, uh, you know, I think we all have these leaders that uh, guide us throughout our career. But there's one in particular that uh, I can pinpoint the change in my personal trajectory, my personal Mm -hmm. career trajectory, my personal leadership trajectory because of her actions. And that person Mm -hmm. is Carrie Connolly. I I tell a story about her actually in in the book. Uh, When I talk about her leadership, I talk about how she hired me during one of the most challenging moments in my personal history, I was going through a very painful divorce at the time. I was about to be a single mom and I was also at the height of my career. So it was a very strange position to be in, right? Mm. Uh, Cause I was challenged with all of these things that were happening personally, but I was really propelling in my career at the time. Mm. And even though Carrie didn't know what was happening in my life personally through the interview process and then in hiring me, it's like she instinctively knew. She asked all the right questions to, to uh, help her understand what I needed. 
and so she she put me into a position uh, that really challenged my ability to grow as a leader, to grow as a consultant. Uh, mm-hmm. And she helped me find my voice again. Uh, you know, she gave me the courage to to speak up when I was starting to lose my confidence because of what mm-hmm. was happening in my personal life. And uh, one of the things we talk about in our leadership coaching process is uh, we, we work with leaders to teach them how to let go, right? Mm-hmm. Let go and trust the people that you've hired to do the job that you've given them. And that's what Carrie did for me. And she, you know, I, I jokingly say that, uh, Carrie would give me 17 brilliant minutes a week. And that's all I needed from her because mm-hmm. she would give me just what I needed. And then she would just let me go, you know, because mm-hmm. she trusted me. She hired yeah. me and she had faith in me. And that's what I already had the wings to fly, but she kind of pushed me out of the nest mm-hmm. when I needed her to. Uh, and that was the moment that things really took off for me and, yeah. and my leadership journey. Well, wow, that's wonderful. That's uh yeah, that's that's a, a nice nice story and um yeah, what a what a powerful um you know kind of mentor to have and and and, and such a great position to be in. Um that's really yeah, really pleased to hear that. Um and I mean I I I know uh, it's it's almost impossible for you know people who've got to to your uh, stage and and level um you know, uh, as a, a CEO, you know, for, you know, formerly of a, of a national, uh, a huge national organization, um, to get, get there unscathed. Um, are there, are there any kind of, um, sort of situations that you experienced that were the challenging that you, you kind of, uh, are happy to share that the, the audience can learn from how you navigated them, how you, you know, the strategies you used, I think that the um, the biggest struggle that I've had, I've, I've worked in various environments and I started my career in, in the electrical industry. I mean, I was a salesperson in the electrical industry, which I mean, we don't have to get into stories about that, but certainly I went through <laughs> some, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> harassment, let's just yeah. say. Um, but I didn't let it deter me, right? I, I continued uh, forward, but I think, Adam, and we, you and I have had some conversations about this. I think the biggest struggle that I've seen, and I think a, a big challenge that I have for leaders is understanding the need for a person's ability to renew their energy. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about, you know, what were the struggles that you endured? I think that, especially during the pandemic, when we were all just pushed to the brink, we yeah. were all just pushed to this level this level of engagement, we needed to have this level of engagement, probably beyond anything we'd ever experienced. We were being challenged in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, my health significantly struggled. Yeah. Uh, and what I found was that I coach leaders on the ability or on the, the uh, actions of renewing their energy, their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energy. Um, but I was not doing it myself. Mm-hmm. And the challenge that I was having in the workplace is that the boundaries that I had previously set in place were no longer being honored. And so it, it really, it, it created the struggle in my Mm. personal life with my child, you know, having to choose between my position and, you know, 
the time I needed to teach her common core math, you know, while she yeah. was sitting right yeah. next to me in my home office, you know? And so um, that has really become because of that struggle and that what I found myself in a position to no longer be able to protect my boundaries, to mm-hmm. no longer be able to, um, to, 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 to build, to renew myself, right. Mm-hmm. That struggle mm-hmm. that I had physiologically, emotionally, mentally, uh, that has, that has really driven this element of changing the definition of resilience in our leadership model. You know, mm-hmm. um, what I mean by that is that the, the textbook definition of resilience is the ability to overcome adversity. Yeah. And certainly I've overcome some adversity in my life. Right. I've, I've, I talk about that often. Um, and when it comes down to it, it, the ability to overcome adversity in that textbook definition is really a slippery slope for leaders mm. because I just think about how exhausted I am by it, yeah. right? About being resilient. I'm pretty exhausted about <laughs> being resilient all the time. Yeah. And so in the model, we've really shifted this definition of resilience. And it was really, it was really a spinoff of, or the experience that I had before mm. I started this company was that. Resilience shouldn't come at the cost of yourself. It shouldn't be at the cost of everything else in your life. Mm -hmm. And so we shape that definition to coach leaders to, uh, yes, embrace resilience, but through your own energy renewal, making sure Mm -hmm. that you're constantly paying attention to that as you go. Uh, And there's a really beautiful story. uh, the, The very last story in the book talks about one of our leader first leadership participants. She shares her story about going through this work and uh, she went through our program. And what she talks about is how when she started honoring her energy renewal again, she Mm. signaled to her team that their energy renewal mattered to her as well. And so it improved her leadership, but in the process, it improved her physiologically, mentally, emotionally. Mm. Uh, and it just made her a stronger person, both inside and out of the office. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's um, that's that's really interesting. Um, and resilience is one of uh, is one of those things that's a bit of a bit of a hot potato in um, in the in the medical profession because because like you, and all of your you know your life your life experiences, I think, have made you a resilient person um and then to you know to do what you you degree a phd you know kind of being the chief executive of a, a massive organization you know all of these things you you can't do unless you have a certain level of resilience um i think that's a given and that's how you know a lot of doctors feel you know they kind of go through you know they they ace their their high school exams. They work really hard. You know, they do their their college degree, get get you know top top marks, um, and then it's just, you know they get into medical school, which is a, a feat in itself, um, and then they get go through residency, which is like one of the most usually the most grueling part of their professional life, um, and and then they they burn out at some point, and oh. then the thing the finger is pointed at them as individuals as being the reason that they mm. burned out because they're not resilient enough. And it's like, hold on a second. You know, these, <laughs> these are 
<laughs> within the top one percent of the most resilient oh. people on the planet like right. which, which I, I would include you within you know um so when are we going to start you know saying the system is at fault rather than rather than the individual um right. do, do you think that sort of applies um to the to some of the challenges that you face like when you said that um you know your the maintenance of your boundaries was like your boundaries were eroded and that was during the pandemic were you, were you still at the the girl scouts then mm-hmm. and working from home and so was it a kind of a you know people not really letting you log off and constantly expecting that you would do work uh late late into the night and 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 so, you know what was it that sort of specifically challenged you about that time well if you if you think about like our position as the consulting team that worked you know with the councils all over the country yeah. you know we were trying to work with these CEOs and their board chairs to in some cases keep these nonprofits from going under yeah right in yeah. the middle of, of something like this and so um i mean i was happy to do the work i don't want to i don't want to make that sound like I was not there for it. You know, I, I deeply cared about that organization yeah. and I really wanted to be there for my, uh, for my councils that I supported, my CEOs that I supported. Um, but you have to renew I and mean, you can't be, you can't be effective in complete exhaustion. And there's so much science out there, brain science, yeah. physiological science that tells you that without yeah. proper sleep, complete disconnection renewal your ability to to perform is in some cases cut in half and so uh while i intuitively knew this i couldn't Mm. peel myself away from this chair Mm. you know And, and and i knew that i was depleting myself that i was not showing up 100 percent. how could i you know, yeah. there were days that there were all nighters sometimes, you know, these yeah. are things we had to do because we had to adjust the way we delivered our work, yeah. you know, overnight, as yeah. did most organizations. And, and I think that uh, that's why this has been such a powerful shift. You were talking about that the system is broken, not the person. I think the definition is broken, right? The This concept <laughs> of resilience, and that's, mm. What I've been speaking about, I think probably that's the message that most people are taking away from this book with everything else in this book. Mm. It's that we have to define resilience differently. Mm. We have to look at resilience through the lens of energy renewal. And mm. we have mm. to make sure that people have the appropriate time mm. to renew themselves, right? To yeah. get proper sleep, to to, to have proper nutrition, yeah. to yeah. all of the things that help yeah. us bring that energy back yeah. in. Yeah. I, you know, I was... I was mentioning to you earlier that I was in Las Vegas this past week with mm. my brother and my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law, Katie, she's a brilliant physician for the air force. Uh, and she was on call this past weekend. Uh, luckily she took some calls, but she never had to actually go into the base, uh, into mm. the base hospital. Um, but I watched her throughout the five days that we were there uh, in between times of being on call, we were going out, we were hiking together she was making Christmas ornaments for her team members, you know, like just really finding unique ways to show them gratitude, which I thought was really brilliant. And uh, I know she struggles with mm. resilience, with with re- energy renewal, 
but mm. she makes a concerted effort to really make sure she's balancing the struggles of being a physician, you know, in a busy hospital and actually mm. uh, renewing her energy, which is yeah. very powerful. It was very powerful to see. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is very, very, very powerful. And uh, uh, yeah, and em empowering as well. But I mean, kudos to her. It's it's really difficult to do. You know, a lot of physicians really, really struggle with with that. Um, yeah, I know. I, I, I can I completely hear you. Um, I um, back in the day, when did I start this job? Two thousand and nine. So before the days when it was sort of the thing to work from home, um, I, I worked for an organisation that was based in London, but all of its advisors were scattered throughout the country. Um, and so the the room that I'm in now, which is uh, we call it the study um was my office my home office and um the workload was just insurmountable um you know i would log on my at my official hours were nine you know nine till five whatever but i would log on at, at eight and i would be in there until 10 p.m and it didn't take long for me to start resenting this space i used to actually hate going through that door i had this romantic notion before starting the the job of working from home and that you know I'd my lunch break in my living room and put the tv <laughs> on and you know the kettle would always be there to make a make a cup of coffee or whatever yeah um didn't take long for that uh ro romanticism to <laughs> come <laughs> crashing down um so uh yeah no i um yes i i understand and um yeah, but just gosh, so so difficult. As you say, you you well, I mean to paraphrase what you've said, you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, right. if you're not you're not um giving any attention to your to your self-care. I mean, you can't care for your others around you, like your daughter, you can't care for your clients. Um yeah. Um but uh, you know. Thankfully, you've you've kind of moved on from that and 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 come out the other side, and, and you're working on on your terms now. Um, yes. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, no, I'm really grateful for that. Um, so, you know, as as uh, as we've said, you know, we've we've known each other um, a while, and you know, I've I've heard about your um, you know your struggles and your background and so on, and and you know, I really think it sort of has um turned you into such a, a sort of a caring kind leader but also there's that that strength there you know uh that you know that <laughs> comes from your your uh <laughs> I don't want to say resilience now because I'm I'm thinking of resilience with the in the traditional definition but you know <laughs> your 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 version of resilience you know now you kind of do uh you know kind of re-energize re yourself and um and and make sure that's all in that's all in place um but i i you know i feel a real um a real strength there from your lived experience um and such kindness as well um and i you know i keep i'm still thinking about the conversation that you you had with your mum you know when she was near the end and and i'm i'm yeah it's that's staying with me <laughs> um have you got any i mean I'm sure it didn't just happen that you became this kind of strong, kind leader. I'm sure um, there was some in intentionality behind it, you know, kind of 
there's there's obviously something there's something there within within your personality and within your being but how did you f- sort of foster that how are you have you become the kind of leader that you are and and do you have any advice for the listeners on how they can you know become stronger and become kinder as leaders yeah it's so funny i've had my moments you know <laughs> i've definitely had have. my moments <laughs> uh and and sometimes even through our leadership failures, we mm. we certainly grow. I uh, lots of stories in the book. I keep referring to the book, but I think it all gets unraveled there. You know, yeah. like even my greatest leadership failure. I talk about that in the behavioral inf- influence chapter because uh, I think I was being uh, influenced. Right, I was mm. in the middle of an organization, so I was leading people, but I was being led as well, mm. and. Um, and I had a team member who I trusted, I trusted Mm. her opinion. I trusted her insight and we had a a strong trust relationship and she put a mirror up to me and she said, Jess, I came to work for this organization because of your leadership, because of you, Mm. and you're not showing up as the leader I thought you were. And man, Mm. I can tell you like, that was a moment that just (laughs) It was raw. Knife through the heart. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yes. I mean, here I am teaching leadership, right? And I am Mm. failing as a leader. But it's it was such an important moment for Mm. me. And granted, I had done so much work in the space of emotional intelligence and self-awareness. So I've always stayed open to feedback. And I feel that sometimes that's where I see leaders struggle, right? Uh, Mm. And why leader first leadership is for everyone is it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. You have to keep cultivating these touchstones because we never stop growing. Right. And if we Mm. close ourselves off to that feedback, sometimes we miss things. And and I think that's what happened for me was that it wasn't that I was closed off. I hadn't received the feedback yet, but I was being influenced. You know, my behavioral style was becoming what, or my leadership style was becoming what I was experiencing and how I was being led. Yeah. And um when that team member put that mirror up to me, it was a huge wake up call for me. Mm-hmm. And I think why I often tell leaders like you can't close yourself off to feedback, right? Mm-hmm. So when I talk about how I became the leader that I did, it's because I've always kept myself open. Uh I keep working on myself. You know, mm-hmm. we are uh we are forever a work in progress especially in the space of leadership you never arrive in leadership right it's just this it's just this ever evolving journey and um i think on the other side of that too yes look to self focus on self understand yourself but you have to have a genuine curiosity about your people Mm. you have to seek to understand the human you have to care enough about the human right Mm. to to really understand what they can uniquely bring to the team. You know, some of the work that we do and when we, we coach teams is that uh, we move away from this concept of, um, you know, fit, organizational fit, uh, mm-hmm. because we really believe that when everything fits so perfectly in an organization, you really have people that are putting the mirror up. Right, like mm-hmm. like my team member did to me. Um, Britt Andreata recently in a book, in one of her newer books, she said, 
uh, turns out there's no I in team, which I just love that because I think that, and I actually quoted it in the book because I believe it's so powerful. Like mm. team is about cohesion. It's about connectedness, mm. but it's not about uniformity. It's about bringing unique contributions uh, to create this, this whole, right. To put forth your best foot, you know, best foot forward when we have unique opportunities. And, and I think that when you seek to understand the human and really understand their unique contributions, mm. uh, that's when you really propel yourself into great leadership. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's that's really helpful. Um, so yeah, so we're not the uh not the finished article by um by any stretch, nor should we ever see ourselves um in that way. Um, but because we are humans and fallible and and, and subject to human error, um I always feel, you know, we have to, to really kind of remember to forgive ourselves and be compassionate to ourselves and you know be kind to ourselves in in that way yeah. um and uh see uh, Kristen Neff talks a, a lot about self-compassion and tender and fierce self-compassion doesn't she um and uh first seek to understand where did that come from do you someone Stephen says that is it? right yeah okay <laughs> thank you <laughs> one of the seven habits yeah, yeah. excellent yeah Seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah, yeah. First, seek to understand. That's a really, uh, a really good thing to to live by, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. But you know, obviously, uh, heavily empathy based um, leadership, which is which is wonderful. Um, thank you so much for for all of that. Yeah. Um, so, if you uh, if you had to if you had a sort of uh, you know a, a di- distilled um, kind of take home message um for the listeners you know what would you what are the kind of key things that you'd like to um share as as uh as kind of pithy concise um take home leadership messages you know i i think i want to continue to push this piece home that behavioral accountability flows from the leader and yeah. that starts well before the bottom line improves every organization has a bottom line no matter what type yeah. of organization yeah. It might not be shareholder value, but regardless, there is some bottom line in there that we're all seeking to improve, right? Yeah. But that that doesn't the bottom line doesn't even improve until we look at that accountability. Yeah. And again, going back to the philosophical underpinning of the model, leaders have to first look to self. And so mm-hmm. my hope is that for leaders of people, regardless of their level in the organization. You know, I, I hope that these messages, the book really inspires people to feel like they can introspectively examine their impact, mm. not just the bottom line impact, but mm. on the lives of the people that they lead. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's really uh, that's really important. Thank you. Um, just uh, reminding me um, in, in that um, in that vein of. I was working with um, a C-suite recently and the C- CEO shared a story about um, he is in hospitality. He used to um, be the CEO of um, 
a supermarket chain, very big supermarket chain in the UK. And that was his first CEO job. And, um, you know, on the day he got his promotion, he went down to, you know, the, the shop floor of the store where the headquarters was based or whatever. And uh, was talking to people and and someone in the bakery section of the of the supermarket um said oh you know con- congratulations on your on your appointment you know um really pleased for you um but just remember that um the buck stops with you now so if if i lose my job and my family and i lose our home and end up being homeless and i have i have nothing you know it's it's pretty much down to you <laughs> <laughs> and he said he said you know, as 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 much as that may you know may or may not have a hundred percent truth uh, to it, because um, obviously it's a complex complex thing. Um, he said it's it's always stuck with him. So every single job he's had from from then on, he's always thought he's always put his the people on the shop floor first. You know, I this I need to make a right right decision for this organization to be successful, so that people don't lose their jobs, people don't lose their homes. You know um so uh yeah i completely i completely agree with that and uh and that ties in very very well to accountability as you said with everyone in the organization in a way um and putting them first rather than the bottom line and 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 i think oftentimes when you when you put these good intentions first the bottom line follows is that is that what you found yeah um, absolutely <laughs> so you know it's a it's a bit of a bit of a no-brainer but some people still don't know that <laughs> um fantastic so um what are you what are you um excited to be working on at the moment that you'd like to share with the listeners obviously please tell us um about the book and, and what, whatever else what are the kind of programs you have going on and you know and anything you'd like to share Sure. So we are, I'm currently in the process of recording the audiobook for Nine Liter Touchstones, which is really exciting. I know everybody's asking me for it. Excellent. Um, I just had to get through the physical launch first of the book, and now I'm working <laughs> on the audiobook. So I hope to have that out soon. Um, we've also been, we've been piloting our Leader First Leadership Program. It's an immersive mm-hmm. leadership experience. Uh, you really go deep in this program. It's uh, mm. it's some hard, hard work. Our participants mm. tell us, but as we shared with some of the stories, you know that the experience is really life changing. And mm. so uh, we've had ten cohorts of leaders over the past uh, two and a half years go through this program. Mm. And now that the book is out, uh, the book really uh, gives shape, even more shape to the program. But it, mm. it was a spinoff of the experience of the program. And so uh, we have our next cohort of uh, leaders going through uh, the program starting in February of this year. So it's on our website. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyone can sign up regardless of your level in leadership. Uh, It's applicable. We have people from all walks of leadership in this program and Mm -hmm. uh, they really learn how to build, you know, from the, the space where they are. Uh, and so that that's happening. And then uh, just just getting the word out about this program, we're in strategic planning season. So Crescent Leadership is working with organizations doing strategic planning, but all with that philosophical underpinning. So lots of good stuff going on right now. Mm, yeah, excellent. 
Um, great. So there's um, uh, how could people kind of uh, sign up for the the, the leader first program? Um, it's through the the website you said. What's the what's the address for that? So our website, uh, our main website is crescentleadership.com. And there is a link on the homepage called Become a Leader First Leader. And if you click there, you can sign up for the program. Excellent. I'll make sure that is in the in the show notes. Um the audiobook, I can't I can't wait for that. <laughs> I love I love audiobooks. I'm <laughs> um, and I love listening to audiobooks that have that are being narrated by the writer as well. It just feels so much um so much more authentic to me. Um so I'm really excited about that. Um, I will tell you, I so, find myself going off script a little bit. Like I'll be reading and I'll be like, oh, I'm just gonna interject something new in here. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, if no if no one has kind of like, you know, kind of picked you up on that yet, just you know, <laughs> do what you do what you think is uh is is best um and 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 the book the the book itself the hard copy of the book then is it is it sort of almost like a manual for the for the the program yeah so the first half of the book really walks through uh the leadership model the leader first leadership mm. model mm. and it goes deep on the three elements of the leadership model which are three leadership philosophies systems leadership behavioral leadership and shared leadership. So it talks about conceptually how this model helps organizations build sustainable mm. growth. Okay. And then the second half of the book really goes into depth on the nine touchstones. And so in each touchstone chapter, it gives you the brain science behind why yeah. this impacts an individual person the way it does, why it impacts others the way it does. And then also gives some really great uh, insight on how to cultivate both in self and in others. Yeah. But each book also comes with an invitation to take the, the leader touchstones assessment. So if you're not sure, nine touchstones is a lot, right? You can't cultivate them all at the same time. You really have to have a plan. Mm -hmm. And so if you go into the book, you'll see that there's an invitation to take the touchstones assessment. And it's going to give you a baseline understanding on where you are in things like inclusivity, things like resilience, all based on the definitions of those touchstones from the book. And then that assessment will also give you actions. It'll give you strategies and actions for helping to cultivate those particular touchstones as well. Yeah. Brilliant. That's really, really helpful. Um, superb. Okay. So um, if any of the listeners would like to reach out to, to you, um, what's the best way for them to do so? So you can reach me through any of our social media channels. Um, mm -hmm. My personal LinkedIn, I'm Jess mm -hmm. with one S that's uh, sometimes uh, people can't find me because they look for Jess with two S's. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Of course, Crescent Leadership is on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, we're pretty much everywhere. But then my email is just JES at crescent-leadership.com. Brilliant. get all those um links and, and, and so on on the uh, show notes as well oh gosh well um i can't believe we're almost almost at the end um i think all that um is left is to ask you if you have any closing words that you'd like to share with the listeners please 
I think just I'm so thankful that for one thing, thankful to you for opening up this space for us to talk about this. I think uh, the more we talk about leadership, the more we move it back to where it needs to be. And uh, again, just I'm going to keep uh, pushing at home. Just look to self. That's the most important thing. Just never, uh, never close off that, that, Mm. that mirror. Right. Yeah. It's so important for us to continue to to grow in who we are as individuals and as as leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Look to self. Brilliant. Um oh Jess, I, <laughs> we could I, I could I could keep talking to you for ages, but uh I know we have other you know, other appointments. So um but I'm so honestly uh, you know, it's been wonderful kind of um, you know, kind of following the the journey on you know, on social media and so on and seeing, seeing the book come to fruition. And I'm really, really excited about the audio book and I will definitely be uh, using one of my credits to on audible to get that um, and recommending it to, to all of my friends. Um, but yeah, um, this has been really, really wonderful for me. So thank you again so much for, for your time. Thank you for coming on the show, sharing your, your experiences um you know just being so open and um and vulnerable i've I've really really appreciated that i'm grateful for that and your wisdom and your advice is 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 just staggeringly um impressive um so thank you thank you so much um thank you to everyone for listening um and until the next episode in two weeks all that remains is to wish you health happiness and inspiring leadership take care thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the inspiring women leaders podcast today i really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as i enjoyed recording it if you did Please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach. So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today. And please join me next time, two weeks from now on Alternate Wednesdays for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.